Turn in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews 10. Last Sunday we began, I don't know if it's a series, a mini-series, or just the thoughts of my heart, the directive of God, uh, talking about the breaking point. How many have ever been to a breaking point in your life where you just, man, I'm about to what? Snap. Well, that's what a breaking point is. And uh, last Sunday we learned it's the point where undue stress and pressure causes a fissure and a fracture in our life. And, you know, the earthquake thing is, is, is because of undue pressure, pressuring the, the earth and all of a sudden an earthquake comes and, and there's, there's problems and there's trauma and there's trouble and there's destruction. And, and, uh, so in fact, did you know and realize that in these last days, everybody say the last days, did you know we're living in the last days? Some of you don't believe that. You're still just, you know, bless me. Yeah, hallelujah. Life is good. We're living in the last days. In fact, when the church was born back at Pentecost, that marked the prophetic sign of the last days. It's a season that we live in. We don't know how long it is. You think, well, gosh, it's been... Uh, how many of you know time with God is different than us? We think, oh, and, you know, last days, you know, whatever. Hey, we're living in the last days, and every day we draw closer to, the, to that day, the return uh, of Jesus Christ in the end of days. And the Scripture says in Matthew 24, when the disciples and others were asking, when, are, when is the sign of your coming? What is the sign of your coming? And he begins to talk about wars and rumors of wars. How many of you know we're living there? And then he says, earthquakes. It's not the movie, earthquakes. And he talks about undue stress and pressure, not only in the world with people and humanity, but even the very uh, uh, geological formation of the earth begins to convulse as we draw closer to the return of Jesus Christ. There's pressure building all around us. It's just the world we live in. It's the last day. Somebody say the last day. And, and it happens, and, and, and not only, you know, out there, but in here. And we, as we talked last Sunday, you ever, you, you know, you see somebody, they just smile happy, and then one day they do what? They just, we said it last Sunday, they just snap, and you hear, oh, well, what happened to him? I don't know, he just snapped. What happened? There was some kind of pressure that he or she could not handle and no one may have known it like the earthquake. Didn't realize that underneath the, 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 the smile and the how you doing was camouflage misery and pressure building up and people just snap. And we're living in a world where people are snapping and people are breaking and there's, they're coming to their breaking point. And if that's you today, OMG, you're in the right place. Because God doesn't want us to come to the breaking point. And I told you this uh, last uh, 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 Sunday is that uh, the reason people come to their breaking point is because they're carrying things that they're not designed to carry. Or, let me just say, they're carrying things that they don't have the life skills to be able to carry. You see, there's some people snap and you look, what? What? What the, what's the big deal? I can do that in my sleep all day long, seven days a week. They're missing some, what I, maybe, well, let me say it this way, maybe missing some biblical life skills and some, some understanding of God. In, in, you know, because how many of you know greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world? Could have get a better amen. And so, so 
people carry things that either they're not designed to carry or they don't know how to carry. They're missing some, some understanding of the Bible uh, and they need insight and strength to help them uh, carry the load that God has given them. And here's my, my point to ponder that we gave you last Sunday. Before you come to the breaking point, you better come to the point of your breakthrough. Let's all say that together. Before you ever come to your breaking point, you better come to the point of your breakthrough. You see, if you don't have a breakthrough, you may come to your breaking point. And, and that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to break through and not break down. Are you with me? Say amen. The point of our breakthrough we learned last Sunday is found in the presence of Jesus. It was so simple last Sunday. Sometimes maybe I get it too complicated. I don't know, but let me just tell you, if you feel like you're coming to the point of a break, uh, breaking point, just get into the presence of Jesus. Whew. I'm telling you, the Bible says, cast all your care upon Him for He cares for you. Just get in His presence. Just worship Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me... I may never get done today. Let me just, you know what some of you people need desperately? Even more so than I. I've not had a, a shower that it, it makes the sound go hallelujah. You know, you get in the, you, everybody sounds better in the shower, right? What you need to do is get in the shower and just have you Pentecost, get that warm water and just hallelujah, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. I bless the name of the Lord, my God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Some of you, have you, some of you men, you need to cut loose like a Pentecostal. Well, so that's just not my nature. I know you're living in your own nature. You need the nature of the Lord on the inside of you and cut loose. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. And if that doesn't work, then get filled with the Holy Ghost. Start singing in the spirit with the understanding also. Everybody go hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I said everybody. Everybody hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Freak your wife out. It'll bless her in the end. Hallelujah. Amen. You just need that. We need that. The presence of Jesus. Prayer and praise put you in the presence of Jesus. And this morning, let me just build on that thought. Here we go. The, the breakthrough, the point of your breakthrough is not only found in the presence of Jesus, but the point of your breakthrough is also found in the presence of His people. Now, this is where some people get off the train. In fact, we used to sing a song. We thought it was spiritual. Back when I had a banjo, I'd, I'd bang it out on the banjo. Me and Jesus. Can you hear the banjo? Me and Jesus. Got our home thing going. Me and Jesus. Can you hear the banjo? Got it all worked out. Me and Jesus. Got our own thing going. We don't need anybody to tell us what it's all about. That's the stupidest song I ever sang in my life. I told, I, uh, who turned 20? She's now, y'all now have adults in the house. I said, let me just tell you something, girls. They're about to fly the coop. And, uh, 
I said, your parents get smarter the older you get. You do realize that, don't you? And they said, kind of, yeah, we kind of realize that. But, but you learn things. We learn things. And let me tell you what we need to learn. We don't need to be independent in our thinking. We need to be interdependent on our thinking. And your point of breakthrough, yes, we got the presence of Jesus, but listen, we need His church. When you study Scripture, God didn't save you and then just send you out into the world and on your, on your own and say, fly, little baby, fly. Run, little child, run. See you later, little baby boy. No, He put you in a family. He puts us in a family of faith. The point of our breakthrough is found not only in the presence of Jesus, but in the presence of His people. Are you with me? Now, Hebrews chapter 10, are you there? Let's look at this, verse 19 through 25. I'm just going to pull this apart a little bit for you today, just for a few moments. Uh, Y'all are in serious trouble because the clock's upside down and it's already 2.11. That means it's way past lunch. So I'll just go to supper. I'll have mercy. I'll turn it back up. There we go. Got plenty of time. Everybody go, whoo, thank you, Jesus. Man. Here we go. I'm going to just pull this apart for you to see some things. Therefore, brethren, verse 19, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. There's the presence. You see, we can come right into His presence. By a new and a living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. Now, prior to Jesus' death, burial, and the resurrection, the only person to come in the presence is the priest. And buddy, he better have his act together before he walked behind the veil. In fact, they put little bells on his garments that uh, they weren't just to make pretty noise. They were to let the people on the outside know that he's still alive. Because the bells were ringing, he's still a-moving. And if the bells ever stopped ringing, they actually put a cord around his leg because they knew, man, you walk into the presence of God uninvited or, or unholy, God, you know, boom. And they had a cord around his neck where if the bell stopped ringing, they'd just pull him out because they knew he, he, he went into the presence of the Lord unworthily. And so that was then, but this is now. And we can now come boldly into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Somebody say, thank God for the blood. Whoo! He paid our way for us so we can come into His presence by a new and a living way, which He consecrated for us through the veil that is His flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, catch verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for He who promised is faithful. Now, watch Him shift gears here because, hey, He's going going to end in a moment talking about the end of days. Remember, I told you just a little bit about the end of days. Uh, He's he's given us insights about where we need to be when this pressure point begins to build around us. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful and let us consider one another. Now he's talking about not just personal issues with us and God, but now he's saying, let me give you some added insight here about the end of days and about that day as we get closer to that day let us hold fast our confession and then let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some but exhorting one another and so much more everyone say so much more 
as you see the day, big letter, approaching. So what I just read to you are great insights and great resource and great directive for us as we draw nearer to the breaking point in this globe we live in called the earth. Pressure's building. Trauma's increasing. The darkness is getting darker. So what do we do? Look why he gave us some great insight. And, and so we need to understand something that the, the day, he says, as you see that day approaching, it's a clear reference to the end of days. And I want you to notice the plurality here of this directive. He says, therefore, brethren, somebody say brethren. He's talking about brethren. He's talking about us. And then he says, let us. Everybody say, let us. In other words, what's good, good for the goose is good for the gander. Thank you. Uh, these little things pop in my head and I don't know where I'm going when I start. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. This is something we need to understand. This is a corporate responsibility. We need to catch the understanding of the priority as the pressure is mounting. Uh, uh, we need one another more than ever today. Don't forsake the assembling together as the manner of some in, but let us. Everybody say let us. We need to understand the priority and the importance of the family of faith as the pressures of life build around us as we move closer to that global breaking point. And I don't know your eschatology, that is the, the, your belief and theology of the end of days, but I'm going to tell you for the sinner and for the lost, it is going to be a traumatizing moment to realize that you're standing before God and you have not repented of your sin. For the Christian, it'll be a grand and a glorious day when the face of Jesus we behold. But let me tell you something, the world we live in will convulse. In fact, ultimately, the Bible says this earth will melt with a fervent heat. I'm talking about one massive, some form, geological, astrological, I don't know how it'll happen. This world will be over as we know it. And so let us, somebody say, let us. Let me tell you something, the closer we get to that day, the more we need each other this day. Listen carefully to me this morning. Here's a, here's a good thought. Here, let's build on it. A point to ponder here. As the world moves closer and closer to the breaking point, the church must move closer and closer to her bonding point. Where we realize we're better together. We need one another more than ever before. Don't forsake the assembling together as the matter of some is, uh, uh, but exhorting one another so much more as you see that day approaching. And it is fastly approaching. Beverly and I used to sing a song when back in our younger days. And it was a little simple chorus. Bind us together, Lord, bind us Together with cords that cannot be broken. Bind us together, Lord. Bind us together, Lord. Bind us together with love. And then there's some more parts. But we, we realize the priority of being bound together as the family of faith. Sadly, 
People can walk out the doors of any given church on any given Sunday and never come back and never feel a heartbreak because they've never bonded with people. Whatever the reason, they chose to be standoffish. And I don't know if I'm... Let me think, the last thing you and I need to be doing as we draw closer to that day of Jesus is putting a question mark on the validity of the family of faith. Man, that's not even my notes, but boy, if I had that down, I'd tweet that. I'll forget it by the time I walk out the door. I couldn't even repeat it now. But listen, the last thing I'll try, we need to do as we get closer to the return of Jesus Christ and the breaking point in this global pressure uh, cauldron that we're uh, in the middle of right now, the last thing we need to do be doing is putting a question mark on the validity of the family of faith. As the world moves closer and closer to the breaking point, the church must move closer and closer to the bonding point. We need one another. Listen, whew, I, I'm done there at that point. Uh, Lord, I, I know I'm preaching to the choir a little bit right there, but uh, in case there's something in you that it always questions, do I really need this? Do I really need this? Hey, listen, you might survive today without it, but tomorrow you may die without it. Ooh, amen. I'm getting tough on y'all. I apologize. And the church is designed by God. Listen. This ain't rocket science. God birthed the church and said, this is the beginning of the end. This is my answer for the end of days. For the pressure point that's coming on the world. My answer, my response, my methodology, my mindset is for the church to come together as a body of Christ and be my representatives on planet earth to model uh, the the strength and stability that I have in the middle of a a pressurized, uh, uh, self-destructive world. The church is supposed to be a a banner and a a bastion of peace and stability and righteousness and, and hope in the earth. Whoo, amen. Lord have mercy. So with that in mind, let me just pick this apart a little bit for you. Hebrews. Therefore, brethren. Look at verse 22. As we draw closer to that day. Let us draw near. Everyone say, let us draw near. Verse 22. Let us draw near. Listen. When it comes to the presence of Jesus as in the pressure-filled world we live in, don't draw away. Don't. In fact, if you go back up, gosh, if you just slipped on a little further, verse 39 or verse 38, now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. The last thing, the last thing anyone needs to do under in a pressure point in life is to withdraw themselves from the presence of God. The first thing you need to do is run to his presence and draw near near to Him in worship. That's what that means. It means to worship Him and to draw near to Him and move in closer when the pressure gets harder. Move in close to the pressure. Let us draw near. Let us draw near. I love this. With a true heart. That means a truthful heart. You, have you, ever, you, know, you can't fast talk God. 
In other words, you got to be open and honest with him. This is who I am. And if you got faults, anybody here doesn't have any, I'll let you preach this morning. But when you come to God, just say, hey, this is the way I'm coming. I'm just coming with a truthful heart. This is where I am. I realize the pressure's on. I realize I may not have done everything right, but in these last, as I draw closer to this day and to that day, this day I'm drawing near to you. And I love this part where he says, in full assurance of faith. It means with a, with a, a, a sincere confidence and a, and, and an entirely confident mindset that I, as I draw near to him, he's going to take care of me. Lord, all you got to do is read the Bible and you get encouraged. So as we move closer to that day, draw near to him with a full assurance of faith, having your hearts, in other words, get, get right with God. Take advantage of the blood that allowed you to come into his presence and draw near and get cleaned up and don't try to, hey, the last thing I'm telling everybody, the last thing we need to do as we get closer to the end of days uh, and, and that day is to live a life that is, that is unhealthy and unholy and unrighteous. Get right with God. Look around, tell somebody, say, we need to get right with God for goodness sake. Tell somebody, we need to get right with God for goodness sake. We need to be able to draw near, clean and right. And then look in verse 23. He said, and let us hold fast. Everyone say, hold fast. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promises faithful. I love this verse. That, that phrase, let us hold fast. Now catch this. It means to secure into our life by memory. In other words, don't forget the, the, the confession of your faith and the confession of your hope. Let us hold fast. We're talking about as we get closer to, the, to that day. Let us hold fast. Don't forget what God said about you. Don't forget the hope you have in Christ. Don't forget that you're on your way to heaven from Beaumont, Texas. Don't forget that God is faithful. He's faithful. For he who promised is faithful as we draw near to that day. Listen, when the pressures of this world will increase, if anybody thinks it's going to get better on planet earth, you're, you're living in a, in a, a, a fantasy land. Let us hold fast the confession. That means verbal declaration of our faith. Trusting in, relying upon the faithful promises of God. Are you with me? Say amen. Let us hold fast. And then... After those two, he jumps right into the relational understanding of which is the import of my message to you this morning, that the point of breakthrough is not only found in the presence of Jesus, but found in the presence of his people. And so he shifts gears a little bit. And rather than just my relationship with God right here now, it's my relationship right here that is so very, uh, must be top priority in our life. And let me just tell you, people, Christians, good meaning Christians think, all I need is this right here. Oh my, OMG. It's the stupidest song you ever sang. 
You just didn't put it to a tune, but it's that same old stupid banjo song. We don't need anybody to tell us what it's all about. Let me tell you something. The older I get, the smarter all my other friends and family became. I need everybody to tell me what it's all about. I need the body of Christ. I can't do this on my own. Pressure's building in the world. I need God and I need his people. You can't do one without the other. You can't, you can't do one without the other. Y'all can go tell your friends about this. He said, let us, here was another let us, let us consider one another. I love this. In order to stir up love and good works, that phrase, consider one another, I love this. Are you with me? You don't have, all you gotta do is learn what the Greek says a little bit. Just get, get you about, it means to observe fully to the point of discovery. To observe fully to the point of discovery. Now, let me explain. In these, the day we live in, what people need to begin to do is look to the Word and look to the family of faith. And as you continue to look and prod and dig and understand, you'll begin to discover something. You'll discover the family of faith that is there for you in time of need and that you're there for and that, hey, have you ever, fa- I don't know if you're here today, I see this on, t- in fact, the TV show of people being reunited with long lost loved ones and daddies they never knew or mamas they never knew and some of it was a little traumatizing but man, I love it when you see people who ha- didn't know that they were brothers and sisters come together and they realize they discovered, my goodness, I have a family. I'm not all alone in this world. I've got a family. You say, but I don't know. Listen. Let us consider one another. Let's discover the value of being an integral part of the family of faith. Let us consider one another. You see, in these last days, we need to consider one another. We need to discover each other and realize, man, you, you're, you're awesome. Whew. And listen, when you discover the value of something, you hang, you, you, you embrace it. And I just have to tell you today, in the culture we live in, there's a blindedness. Is that a word? Blindedness? No. There's a blindness. There's a blindness coming upon the church. Uh, and and they, they're blind to what's right in front of them. And they can walk in and walk out and leave here and go there with no conscience and no concern that they're disconnecting themselves from that which is such a priority in these last days. Man, I've discovered something. I need the family of faith in my life. My kids all serving the Lord. Grandkids are all here. You know, my son be here in a couple of Sundays. In fact, Nathan, Nathan is a wonderful musician and he's a wonderful worship leader. He's all around great guy. But his gifts and talents did not come from me. Well, God gave them to him. No, he had people in his life that when he was a little boy, I remember he, had, he would come home from school in Quitman, Texas. 
as a little boy. And our worship leader at the time would take him in the sanctuary and say, come on, Nathan, play the drums for me. And he'd get, come on, Nathan. And, and, and his gifts began to be realized. I didn't do that. Now, I hope Beverly and I had something to do with his and our kids, but I didn't do it. It was other people. There's a little lady in Quitman, Texas named Jeanette Hux. Jeanette Hux was 90 years old, seemed like when we were there. I guess she's still there. She's just a little lady, sweetest little lady, and she loved to dance in church. I can't, what was, she do the tambourine. We, we, we stole her tambourine from her, but she get the musicians on. But Jeanette Hux loved kids, and she would take my kids up in children's church, and she would bring them down and say, say, your, your son, they just prayed to ask Jesus into their heart, and she led them to Christ. She taught them the Word of God. Thank God for the church. I'm a believer. I'm a believer. You see, before you come to your breaking point, you need to come to the point of your breakthrough. And your breakthrough comes in the presence of Jesus and the presence of His people. Many people are so internally focused on the pressures of their moment, they can't conceive or comprehend or understand the value of the local church. They're all internalized. It's my pressures. They don't realize you just get to church and make it a priority. Get in the presence of the people of God. Get in the presence of Jesus. And God helps you. Un- uh, he lifts the load. Amen. Consider one another. Then he goes on to say, what do we consider one another? To stir up love and good works. Everybody say stir up. It means to incite. Now the only word, when I hear the word incite, what do you think of? A riot. That's all, I mean, that's the only thing, that's the only time I've ever, when I think of the word incite, they were, they were guilty, found guilty of inciting a riot. That's the only time I ever hear that word. But when I look this up, the, the stir up, it means to incite. But, and so take that correlation of people who are stirring up negative things and stirring up this and that. That's the, that's the sad part about a lot of churches. People are stirring up the wrong stuff. They think it's their gift to stir up something that's going to create a problem rather than to stir up the right stuff. Get somebody incited about doing some something good, some some love and some good works. If we could get about a third of the people who are stirring up the wrong stuff to begin to stir up the right stuff, man, we'd have revival in the church. Woo! Everybody say stir it up. Stir up love. Everybody say stir up love. This word love here is agape. It's, it's, it's the word we, we use when we talk about God's love. Stir up God's love. But really, the literal translation, I love this, it means love feast. Everyone say love feast. Now, when I think of love feast, I think about Baptist church feast. Or are these feeds we put on? That's a love feast. That's not the word... I'm feasting on the love of God in the family of faith. 
Man, it's a feast. I'm loving God and others are loving me and I'm loving others. Man, it's a, he said, stir up somebody to, to, to feast on the love of God and to come to the church and begin to feast together. We're feasting on God's love and we love one another. It's a love feast in this house. Amen. I'm spreading the love. Somebody say, it's time to spread the love. It's time to stir it up. He said, hey, listen, stir up. He, uh, let us consider one another. Most people when they come to church, I got to be honest, because of the pressures of this life, most people come to church. Why are they here? To get the monkey off their back. Help me get this monkey on my back. I'll help you get the monkey off our back. But then after you get the monkey off your back, there's some other people need the monkey off their back. And they need us to consider one another. Most people are so needy. They're so self-centered and so self-focused that all they ever do is think about me, myself, and I and all the problems and the troubles and the pressures of this life that are building at a, at a breakneck point. And, oh, Lord, what am I going to do? And they come to church and you say, how are you doing? I ain't doing very good, man. Oh, it's just terrible. How about we come to church and consider somebody else and love somebody. There's always somebody needs a hug for goodness sake. There's somebody that needs somebody to look at them and say, man, I love you with the love of the Lord. We're, we're better together. We need one another, especially as this day gets darker. Stir up love and good works. Good works means valuable and virtuous labor. Love feast. It's not a, it's, it's, the love feast is not an event, it's an attitude. We're having a love feast today at church at six o'clock. The ladies bring all the condiments and they, no, no, it's an attitude. I'm feeling, I'm feeling frisky this morning. Okay, bear with me. I think I got time for this. Bear with me. Bear, bear with me. Bear with me. Please bear with me. Bear with me. I'm sorry. I'm making everybody nervous here. Bear with me. What would it be like? What would it be like? Let's just think out loud. What it would be like if people came into church like this. They got to church and they bust through the doors and, whoa, I'm ready for a love feast in the house of God today. I'm ready to hug somebody. I'm ready to love somebody. I'm ready to be loved by God and love one another. I'm ready to have church with my family. I'm ready to worship God. This is where it's all happening in the house. Give me a hug, brother. Come on. Blow it up in here. Woo, man. High five, man. Woo. I'm glad to be in church this morning. It was tough out there this week. But man, I made it to the house of God. I'm ready to feast on the love of God. Oh, Lord. It's so good to see all you Whoo! It's just every pastor's dream. I just thought I'd lay that on you this morning. Stir it up. You see, when you get to church, and really all this is a lifestyle. It's not something you come to. It's a lifestyle. I'm stirring up love. Whoo! And good works. When people get done hanging out with me, they're going to want to volunteer in the nursery. Hallelujah. When people get done with me, they're going to want to help Pastor Sam clean the church. Hallelujah. When people get done with me, they're going to want to serve somebody. They're going to help somebody. They're going to love somebody. I'm feasting on the love of God and I'm stirring up one another to love and good works. 
Man, maybe I need to remodel another home. Hallelujah. Uh, not. And then he, then he says this now. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some. That word not forsaking means exactly, it means to become a deserter. Any military people here? In the military? Got a few? Military families? What do they think of deserters? You know that. What's that guy that was a deserter and recently, I don't, we won't call his name, but he was a deserter and many of our soldiers lost their lives trying to find him when he left and deserted. Military, you desert your post, you, you abandon your station, buddy. Desert. The writer of Hebrews says here in these last days, so much more as you see that day approaching. And that, that day is fastly approaching. The, the breaking point, the global breaking point is coming to the world we live in. And as we get closer to that day, for goodness sake, don't desert your family. We've got a spirit of divorce in our culture that makes it okay to break covenant, break commitment, and do whatever you want and come back the next day and smile and say, well, God's forgiven me. Hallelujah, everything's over. Huh, here's my new wife. I'm just being honest. Can I be honest? Am I, am I, hey, it's just the culture we live in. It's a covenant breaking culture. It's rampant, just breaking covenant, breaking covenant, breaking covenant, and thinking there's no consequences to breaking covenant. There is consequences. The writer of Hebrews said, hey, the world's coming to a breaking point. You better not break covenant. Some are breaking covenant. Don't follow that crowd. Don't follow that crowd. And then it says exhorting one another. That's what I've been doing this morning. To call near for the purpose of prayer, care, and encouragement. But exhorting one another. I love the Hebrews 3, verse 13. He hit it earlier in this book. He said, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Now, there's a world of insight about that. In other words, build relationships with one another, relationships that go beyond a surface. Hi, God bless you. How you doing? Good to see you. How's work? Go Cowboys or whatever. Woo-hoo. Have you seen the Olympics? But it goes beyond that and it exhorts one another. And that kind of depth of relationship brings you to a place where your, where your heart is is not at a place where the sin can get in and harden your heart. People with hard heart, let me just tell you, people with hard hearts, Christians with hard hearts and are deceived by sin are not faithful church members. Because if they were faithful church members, 
they wouldn't be hard and, and hardened to the things of God and, and, and under the governance of sin in their life. Hello? Whew, man. Hallelujah. And our new vision directive that was birthed out of let us pray, everyone say let us pray, begins with we're called to gather. Come together. That's the call of God for every believer is to connect and commit to a local church so you can begin to grow spiritually. We're called together. This is the call of God on our life. Especially as we see that day approaching. Amen. We're called to gather. We're called to grow. We're called to give. And we're called to go. And today, this morning, listen, understand something. Make no mistake about this. Make no mistake about what I'm about to tell you. The church triumphant. The church triumphant is the place where we all need to be. Especially as this world gets worse and worse. We're the only, listen, we're the only answer for this fractured and faulty world. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Our breakthroughs found in the presence of Jesus and in the presence of His people. And if we don't understand that, we will jump right into the flow of this self-destructing world and find ourselves at the breaking point of life as well. I know what I'm talking about. And for us who know, for those who have realized the value of the family of faith and to see our brothers and sisters wandering off into a self-destructive, self-sufficient, selfish lifestyle breaks our hearts. I'm very humbled and grateful for what the church has done for my family. To see my kids and grandkids. My youngest, I wish I had a picture pop up there. Maybe Ruth while Laura was at worship practice, stood right in the middle of that podium with a big smile on her face. You can go to Facebook, you can see it. I see in vacation Bible school my grandkids down here worshiping. Little giddy man. Knew all the motions. 
Now, I know what will happen years from now because I've already seen it happen because my kids are grown now. They talk about vacation Bible schools past. You remember when we did the musical Angels Away? And they talk about the influence of their local church. How it transformed their life. I'm humbled by that. I'm extremely grateful. Laura Beth wrote the entire VBS this past time, this past with the little help from Michael putting in songs and things. Even Nathan helped with this song, Jesus, You're My Motivation. And one day, should Jesus tarry, my grandkids will all gather together. They'll talk about how the church impacted their life and made them what they are today. I'm a a believer in what I do and where we are today. Absolutely sold on the idea that the church is God's answer for the pressures of this life. Amen? Well, it's not the church, it's Jesus. Well, we are His bride. Amen? Let's stand together. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, thank you for the church. Thank you for putting us in the church. Thank you for baptizing us into the body of Christ. I thank you for my brothers and sisters, past and present and even future, who have and are making a big difference in my life. I thank you for people like Sonny Canancer and Susan. Ron and Brendan, John and Linnell, many others who have imported into my life with encouragement and stirred up in me, considered us. I thank you for my church folk and friends and the faithful of this house. Lord, we are better together. And Lord, before we come to our breaking point, let us come to the point of our breakthrough. That's in the presence of Jesus, in the presence of your people. We embrace that today. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Now, before we go, let me do this. It's not even 12 yet. If you're here today and you're searching for a church home and you haven't connected to a family of faith, there's a lot of great churches out there. And if you went church shopping, you know what you'd find? A lot of great churches. 
And all of them have a gift and ability. And some would do better at things than we do. And somehow we'd do better than they. I mean, there's just all kinds of churches. There's great churches. More, I think we need more churches. You say, oh, pastor, we need more churches. Listen, if everybody in Beaumont decided to go to church uh, uh, next Sunday morning, there wouldn't be enough seats for them. And I believe God wants everybody in the family of faith. So, hey, God bless the churches. I'm not in, we're not in competition with any church. We're not, we're not fishing in anybody's live well. Uh, hey, uh, but listen. The church, we, we've got to find where does God want me? Where is the family of faith that he has for me? And if, and if this is where you believe God is adding you at the close of this service, I see Jim and Trish here. I see Lauren and Josh here. Uh, at the close of this service, uh, uh, you just come. They'll be hanging out here and just say, listen, I believe God is adding us to Church on the Rock North. We believe this is our family. This is where we need to connect. We've heard the voice within the voice. And we want to connect and commit to this family of faith. We want to do life together. We'd love to have you. And so uh, at the close of this service, you can do that uh, just very simply uh, and uh, efficiently. And then we'll begin to integrate you and incorporate you into the family of faith. And everybody said, amen. Now, let me th- one more thing. If you're lost, if you don't have Jesus in your heart, you need to be born again. You need to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sin and come into your heart and say, Lord, I thank you that you died for me on a cross, paid the price so I could have new life. In fact, let's pray together, and then Beverly's going to come and share with you some important things for us to plug into. Father, thank you for the family of faith. Thank you for those who are here that are committing and connecting to the local church. But Lord, if there's anyone here who is lost and knows they're not a believer or a Christian, I pray today they would be saved. In fact, let's all pray this prayer together. And if you're here today and you want to be born again, pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me on the cross. And paying for my sin with your shed blood. I believe you did it just for me. And then you rose again so I could have a new life too. I invite you to be the Lord and the leader of my life. Come into my heart. From this day forward, I will endeavor to serve you. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Let's give the Lord of of glory some praise in this house today.